Hello, welcome to Soundcheck Flicks. I am Tim Piles. I got my brother from another mother. Definitely today, we look we look like brothers from I another mother. I left the mother. hat at home, so we are definitely looking <laughs> yeah. like doppelgangers. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Who's who? <laughs> I'm starting to get that, too. People are walking up to me at Soda and saying, no, are you Tim Piles? That's Graham right there. He is a legend, and he's taught me so much about movies. That's what we're here. We're talking about movies. We're ready to talk about another punk rock movie. Two in our first six. I'm still a little, uh, you know, I'm recovering from rewatching that film. <laughs> it's it's a it's a bit of a rough watch. I watched it three times in a row. And it's it was, amazing, but it's it it is yeah. intense. It actually kind of hits close to home a what, little bit. What film, boys? <laughs> yes, let's introduce our guest here. This is Ben Johnson. He is a author, actor, music performer, one hell of a bartender, dad. Husband. Filmmaker, director. Thanks to you guys. The King think, of Sting, the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> I think a raconteur is a good uh, a good uh, claim for you. You're you know teller of tales. You have a lot of stories to right tell on. through your music and and filmmaking. Uh, you know, fanboy, your your filmmaking that, debut. Film this is our debut. first filmmaker Family. here. This is amazing to hey, have okay. somebody that did that. But you have a new one. Yeah, we have I do. To just get into I it. Have, you... Well, I don't have a new movie. I have a new script for a okay. new movie. So, um, which is called Find Them. That's going to be my next project, and it's also a rock and roll thriller in the same universe as Fanboy, with uh, different characters and a different storyline. Not. Are you a in the sequel. first one? I have a brief cameo near the beginning the of first the first doorman. Fanboy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. At the nice. Bar. I'm at the back door, and it's uh, Tom is loading gear and. That's where Tom and Ben first meet each other in the film. Oh, yeah, and Grant, Grant made you uh, smoke, and you got sick. <laughs> yeah, the smoking door guy was part of the equation. <laughs> and uh, I'm not... Grant loves smoke, dude. He loves it. Yeah, I uh, am not a cigarette smoker, and so the part called for me to kind of smoke cigarettes. It looked more authentic that way. Got a little and... green. Yeah, I got a little green and around the fourth take or so. I went inside and puked in the bathroom. You did? I did. <laughs> wow. And they called for... It's funny that I could smoke, you know, weed like there's no problem, but you hand me a cigarette and I'll vomit. Oh. And uh, I went inside and did that, and I could hear the call for the next take. And I'm, I could have been your stunt smoker. Yeah. Oh, I'm, wow. <laughs> I'm on all fours in the bathroom, but I'm like, I'll be right out. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, well, hilarious. you know, that's... No, it was a blast. Acting. Going to the drive-in when, when Ben released it during the pandemic, and, uh, you know, that was the only way we could really do it, and... Going to those sold-out shows at the uh, drive-in was just—it was amazing. It I was mean, magical. It sure. was. It really was. That word, you know, is, you know, people kind of diss on that word a little bit, but I'm like, it really was. Like, I grew up going to drive-ins, yeah. so getting to see that movie and all my friends and something that I knew someone I worked with had worked so hard on for so long in that s- scenario, it was amazing, and it was sold out. Yeah, two shows like. You know, people just, people still come up to the bar and tell me how much that night like meant to them at that time. You know, and, and it's rad. It's moving. It's great. It, that's it a really lot of work too. The film. I mean, then getting, getting yeah, it into the drive-in and putting that whole together. I mean, I'm work, I'm really work, impressed work. with your tenacity and the fact you. I, don't, I just imagine you know you writing at home and you really focus on that. I mean, that takes time and effort and definitely uh, does just the sure. whole process. I mean, do you take time every day to write? No, not anymore. I mean, I, there was a time when I did that, but, um, my, you know, I spend a lot of family time and I, you know, I, I work a You're lot. You're a soccer so, coach. And I'm a soccer coach. That's really so, cool. um, I don't write every day. I try to write, uh, my artistic way is when I have the time, I hit it hard as hell. 
So <laughs> when when I hit it, I hit, hit it, it and I make it matter. And uh, and I try to get as much done as I can, considering how full my life is. And being a dad is no joke. And I'm I'm very involved in my kid's life. My kid's rad. My family's rad. And uh, I just try to you know do yeah. do do the art as hard as I can when I do it. When I saw the announcement just uh, recently about this new screenplay, I was like, damn, that's amazing. You're prolific, man. This is exciting. I hope I hope this time I can be in the film. Okay. When we get to that point. Well, but you yeah. have a great crew of people, people that have supported and given you, uh, you know, this, it's just the this, this scene, the San Diego people. I mean, you involved a lot of people that, that work at the Casbah, work at venues, your friends you've known Definitely. for many years, mm-hmm. and uh, um, you've just participated and made this town better I, right. I appreciate it thank you are we ever going to get a grammatical b show again oh i don't know about that one we got a new band though right that's gonna I have do, it yeah uh, i'll be it. damned and what what's your role in the band you're the drummer the drums. singer okay well did we mention suburbia yet the 1983 no, we film no with, 1983 penelope spheris joint suburbia with roger corman yes roger corman was the producer of that film that changed the film definitely amazing film a little i mean it kicks off right out the gate it's super raw with with a baby being mauled by by a wild dog which was Ro, uh, roger corman like penelope spheris didn't really want to do that that he wanted uh, either sex or violence every 10 minutes so you gotta you know she he brought in half the money some furniture guy from cleveland had two hundred fifty thousand dollars and for some reason, to make uh, Suburbia, they had to get another $250,000, <laughs> which begs the question, how in the hell did Suburbia cost $500,000? But hey, I don't know. I mean, it should be mentioned, there's only several professional actors actually in the film. Everybody else is, they're like real punks and, yeah, and kids yeah, from the she street. Wanted, she, she wanted people from the scene. Found. I mean, know, that's and, what gives it its, I mean, amazingly gritty authenticity. She I said, mean, it's easier for me to teach punks to act than it is to teach an actor to be a punk. Yeah. And that's real. That's, yeah, that's why a, it feels like. Quote. Yeah. It's heavy. I mean, the scene in the club uh, when uh, when the girl's clothes are Sexual ripped. Totally. Totally. That, totally. That's and that's amazing. a Corman thing, too. Penelope didn't want, you know, that was not part of her original script. Yeah. You know, that was another Corman gig. And that, that one was always sort of confusing because, like, Skinner's in the house and he's the guy that like rips off her shirt and it's like you know half the time you're like am i rooting for these guys because some of them are total assholes you know what i mean and and just the the casual racism you know that it's worse that his dad's black than he's a cop and then the homophobia angle you know like they, they definitely like it's raw and real and it was a different world at that time 83 but still you know you you try to you know, shy, shy away from being openly racist or homophobic even then, you know? Because kids today will see that, and it, I mean, that's the thing, you know, they watch these movies that were made at a different time period, and they're right. overtly offended. So, you know, it's a film that should be, you know, have a big warning label for maybe today's generation, you know? I don't know if, how long, if you'll, or if ever, you would show your daughter this film, but yeah, it's 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 pretty well, we're wild. We're not signing off on any of that behavior, right, but, right. Absolutely. but Penelope does say that all of these incidents were things that she had witnessed or read in the paper. Right. right. So this was from real life. Right. So you could be offended, but it's real life. Right. Now, I, I was mean, more of a Mod Scott a kid in 1983, but, you know, it, it's pretty realistic on many levels Yeah. So when for you our, watch it. <clears throat> ben, for our listeners that don't know, uh, what Suburbia, what, what's, what's the story really about? Okay, Suburbia is disaffected kids finding each other outside of their family in 
this wasteland of suburbia, which was originally supposed to be suburban utopia, but it's now uh, there's wild dogs running around and and the, uh, the rednecks going through and, and killing the dogs, and these people just live in this abandoned house. They're basically squatters. So they they punk rock squatters and these disaffected people. One from whose mom throws a. a, a uh, bottle at his head, you know, and he's like, oh, I'm out of here. And then he goes back and kidnaps his brother when his mom gets a DUI. Which he sees on the news. his little brother. <laughs> well, that's and my, like, that's he my just, mother. He just, like, casually kidnaps his brother and nothing really happens <laughs> at all. He just closes you know? the door the next door neighbor. The lady kind of comes out and is like, oh, there it goes. He's kidnapping the brother, Not you know? Like, what, what the hell? So it's, it's disaffected kids finding each other and forming a family in uh, suburban wasteland. The rejected. The TR. TR, the rejected. Yeah, and you have to get the brand burned into you or you can't stay at the house, which Joe Schmo has to go back and see his dad sleeping with another guy to realize that he doesn't want that reality. He'd rather burn himself because he doesn't want to burn himself at first. Joe Schmo. Like, oh, and uh, something I find incredibly interesting is the, the lack of actual hardcore music during times where it you you could totally envision it happening you know there's there's kind of this soundtracky kind of funk punk thing going on instead of like having actual bands do soundtrack it, which i i don't i didn't really read anything about how she, her addressing that so basically the only times you 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 like have punk rock going on is at shows you know and the there's one one that one that bleeds from the the um the funeral where they they riot and and into and it bleeds into the show, but it kind of start the music starts while they're still at the funeral home, and it's like, oh, okay, now they're doing the kind of like punk rock as a background thing, but but it's it's so few in there. And another thing I found interesting was why the the band that you kind of uh, you see as maybe the the hallmark of that time in L.A. was Black Flag, and Black Flag's not anywhere in the movie and then right. I, I did find out why why that was and it was because for um jack diddley's part she wanted rollins and oh. and rollins wanted to do it but the other people in black flag said that if he did that he couldn't be in black flag <laughs> so basically greg ginn said no way you can't do this movie or else you're not our dude and, and then he left anyway, eventually, didn't he? Uh, yeah, eventually, but <laughs> but still, you know, like that that was kind of. But she didn't learn that until years later. So Penelope was pissed off at Rollins for years and years and years until he finally confided in her. He was like, "Look, they said I cannot do this. You know, like I didn't. I you know, I I wanted to do it. I wanted to be the guy." So here's our sliding doors moment. If Henry Rollins is Jack Diddley, is this a better movie? I think Henry Rollins crushes that part. But what what has he been in movie wise? No, he hasn't been anything yet. I mean, we saw him later after that. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he speaks in front of a crowd pretty well. Sure. But but is is he gonna sell it right. better than Jack? Because Jack honestly is one of the better actors in the movie. Yeah, Chris Peterson. It's his first film too. Yeah, and then he went to be a NASCAR driver. Oh no, he was in Platoon. He was in Platoon and a couple he, other movies. But he, he is, is yes, he is. A, he's, he did he, do he NASCAR. Did it, yeah, right? exactly. Okay. And Point Break. So. We just did Point yeah. Break recently, and he's in that too. Yeah. So we. Two out of our first six are Chris Peterson films. And wow. he was one of the only actors, right? He was He's, one of the I didn't yeah. know he was in those movies, really. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So he um, is legit. He's legit. Uh yeah, there's a couple of the you know, those uh the parents and uh 
the guys that roll around shooting the dogs. They're they're yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. they're yeah. kind of actors. Yeah, kind of. Right. But Peterson's the only one that really did anything. Well, Flea. We got yeah, Flea. Flea, right, yeah. right. Flea actually did something, uh, obviously. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what did he do? Yeah, what, what did Flea do? <laughs> Dude, the movie here? Dudes, Penelope's ever... third movie. Mike B. the Flea is how yeah. he's billed there. Mike B. the Flea, right. But then in Dudes, he's just Flea. So, and the third one who's actually the uh, performer on this film, and it's the lady we already mentioned, uh, our young Julie Winchester, uh, the young lady who has her clothes ripped off at the first show. Oh, really? Yes. That is 80s porn star Gina Carrera. Wow. Really? And it's it's a little well it's kind, you know. it's kind of messed up that she has that kind of traumatic scene and that's her first scene in Hollywood like that's the first thing she ever films in Hollywood, and she goes straight into porn. Wow! Like she did not do any more Hollywood right. movies after that. Huh. She straight. got typecast because Skinner ripped her clothes off. Yeah, yep. and did a hundred pornos over the next decade. Wow! Is that a lot? <laughs> She's a professional. There's 365 days in I a year. I can do that in a day. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I did not say that. That was Tim Pounds. So getting into we that music, that, proof. that music that we were talking about earlier. So Alex Gibson is the guy that does that music. Uh huh. And Penelope talks on the uh, director's commentary about how she kind of just turned it over to him. Seems and, like it. So there's moments where she kind of wanted music, but it wasn't there, and he was the reason for that. So. I like that kind of weird science fictiony funk punk whatever the hell no, I like is it going too. on. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's, with it. it, it's not quite like a carpenter thing, but it's definitely its own own yeah. thing and kind of make you know it adds to the dystopian feel of the sure. whole vibe. Yeah. And then, okay. and then as far as songs, we have very little here to deal with. We have the stuff that's in the you know Richard hung himself from Di, uh-huh. and then we get Wash Away and Darker My Love from TSOL, and uh-huh. we get the Legend of Pat Brown from the Vandals. Those are the only ones we get at the shows. And then we get, a, there's a couple background ones, I guess, The Vandals, Urban Struggle, and No God from the Germs. I didn't catch them. They're in the background. Some, right, right. They're in the credits. Those so they're in the movie somewhere. Those live performances are so fun, though. That. Those live performances Dude. are great. Let's yeah, start with the first great. one. So they we got D.I. Uh-huh. As venue guys, we, we can, you know, we can size up a crowd. We know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know if it's Richard Hung himself or, because I know D.I.'s bringing it because they're, they're graffitied all over everything in this movie. But that seems to be the tamest crowd of all. Right. Like, as far as the guys up front aren't moving around a lot, there's not a lot of stage diving. There's just the sexual assault that Skinner starts in the pit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> which is pretty horrific, and it's yeah, bad. Totally. So boo to the security. I mean, good Definitely. Lord, they Definitely. never got to her yeah, until she'd already yeah. been traumatized. The, 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 club, uh, the club owner guy kills me in that. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah. Like, uh, just give her her clothes back. No, no harm. What the hell mm. was that? So then we got the second one, which is the TSOL show. That's the one where the security rightfully gets stabbed. Right. Well, not rightfully. Rightfully. But, <laughs> but he, I mean, in the bad back. things keep happening in these pits. Um, the action is a little rowdier near the stage. The pit's a little more fierce. Obviously, people are getting knifed. Um, Jack is killing it on stage. Jack Gresham is terrific in he's that hilarious. scene. Yeah, I totally. love him. He he's hilarious. moving all over the place. That leather jacket he's wearing is dope as hell. Like, yeah, he's got that pirate thing going on. It's so cool. And I just love how after the stabbing, they cut back to him and he just does a throat slash yeah. like uh-huh. the show's over. And the look on his face throat is great. Right yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, another stabbing uh-huh. throat slash. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the third one we got right after the funeral riot is, yeah, I just said funeral riot. Uh, <laughs> we've got, <clears throat> pardon me, we've got the Vandals, and they're uh, ripping through the legend of Pat Brown. And uh, now... That's a great performance. Too. It is an incredible performance. This, this is, is my favorite one place. in the movie. And it, it 
it lacks a sexual assault or a stabbing in the mosh pit. <laughs> right. But Thankfully. There is, there is a fight, and uh, it is the best performance of the night, and the security is actually doing their job in that scene. And uh, before our guys get pulled out by, uh, you know, his dad cop, and he talks them and gives them the warning that they got to move away yeah. and all that. But uh, but at punk rock shows in San Diego, I, I mean, I, I was going a little later than that. Like, I started in 86, which not exactly the golden era for for shows, but there was violence all the time. I mean, you didn't know what was going to happen. And that was kind of the, the, the thing with punk rock at the time is like, it was dangerous as hell. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I, I was a metal kid and had gone to a bunch of stadium and arena shows and things like that. But those were all, you all felt pretty safe. Even, even if it was like kind of wild, you know, I mean, aside from isolated incidents happening, you didn't see a lot of like crazy you know, weird, violent shit happen. When you went to punk rock shows in a hall with who knows how many security, if any, you know, there was that sense of impending danger all the time. You know just what I mean? Like, like the it, could, it could just have, it, you know, the, you could have a bunch of skinheads show yeah. up and then the short one starts talking shit to somebody and then you get on him, but then all the big guys come up and beat the shit out of somebody. And then everyone in the club runs away, you know, and it just so racist skins everywhere. And it was a totally scary, you know, time, but it, 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 not necessarily scary, but dangerous, you know, and you knew something could pop off and you had to have a plan. You know what I mean? When you go to a show now, generally, I don't go to, you know, the hardcore shows in, 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 in halls. But, you know, when you go to a show now, you have the, the, the expectation where, you know, you're going to be relatively safe. That was never the expectation with like these hardcore shows. So it's like things like that did happen. I didn't see anybody get stabbed, but I saw somebody get hit with a chain upside their face, you know, and it's like, there was things that definitely went down, you know, somebody jump on you, you stage dive off some huge rack onto somebody's neck and you know they don't see it coming at all so and they're just taken out you know like like that could happen you had to had you had to have your head on a swivel while yeah. you're watching the band you know <laughs> what i mean so and it does it does the movie definitely pinpoints that danger very well you know like anything can happen and often does sort of mentality the vandals are the band in that last performance now didn't they have an infamous show here in san diego years ago there What's are that? many stories of, of things happening. San Diego was overtly violent. Did they get on stage by some white supremacists or something at a show? I think so. I would not yeah. doubt that. That happened all the time. I think Mike Ness got his ass beat down here once, and it was overtly violent in San Diego. And those are, if you can take a tour of the Casbah, and it's all the posters. Yeah, all those ones these, right there. You can shows. see there's vandals um, right there. That the Tim was putting on it, you know. Black flag Jackie right there. Robinson, GBH. YMCA, Wabash Hall, Carpenters Hall. Um, I was not, you know, going to these shows. It, they were overtly violent. I remember going to see GBH at Carpenter's Hall, and uh, I saw a lot of blood, man. I kept my distance. I had my girlfriend now wife with me, so, and I was not a tough guy. I'm still not a tough guy. Yeah, the, not a, like the you. English punk bands, when they came through, all of the skinheads would go to that shit. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I, I, that's why I never went to see Exploiter at GBH back in the day. We battled with it's those guys I didn't badly. Even, I didn't want to, like, have yeah. that, you know, get killed. Because I was, I was a rude boy, so we almost kind of, you know, there was an emulation of it looking a little bit like Bore the Doc Martens and Suspenders. and But, uh, you know, that whole element, that was all Tom Metzger's doing and mm -hmm. the whole yeah. white Aryan resistance and building his little army. That yeah. Now they just are hidden. They don't go around as skinheads anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Is Skinner a low-key skinhead? Well, he's a skinhead. I don't know if he's, if he's racial racist or, or not. not. He never says anything. No, no. Yeah, I mean, Jack does, but he doesn't. He's 
Yeah. He's bad with women, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He remind. I mean, so many of those characters in that film remind me of somebody here in oh, San Diego. Totally. Like, Definitely. to a T. In those scenes, like the scene with the, the girls and the chicken butt bit, it just seems so pure and sweet and uh-huh. just funny. And, you know. Well, also, and there's that when she's reading the story to the little guy and Ethan they, and then and then the girls like keep telling the story yeah. like we we like stories too those are know? some of my favorite like me too really and sweet you and have the feeling like if Corman wasn't involved and I'm I'm glad he was sure whatever but if he wasn't it would be so much more of a like coming <laughs> coming of age movie right, you know right. which I think is what her original vision was for it to be is like a, the classic coming of age movie told through the punk rock lens you know what I mean because I mean she originally even made it as a narrative film because she couldn't get decline into theaters but ironically she was never able to get suburbia into theaters or the boys next door or dudes or you know her first four films right, right. never got into were never released straight to vhs i yeah, mean yeah, does suburbia or, get just put out on vhs immediately i don't or? even know i think i was saw that, a pirated where did anybody even when, see it then like, in that, 19- that was the thing like my introduction to suburbia was i was in a this kind of boarding school which is half seminary half reform school in in Santa Barbara and I got kicked out of there uh, about halfway through my junior year and I knew what punk rock was and stuff but I was still kind of a metal kid but a weirdo anyway and then I went to uh, which m- maybe sound laughable Tory Pines at the time and the, 1986 or late 85 early 86 and there was a bunch of punkers there and and I gravitated towards those weirdos and then we went to some other kid's house in Encinitas and watched this movie and it was even more I mean it it was like the people around me it was like oh wow they look like these people in the movie and they act like these people in the movie that's crazy but even more than that seeing this movie was like eye-opening in the sense that wow anybody can make a movie like you can just make a movie you don't have to have you know how people like they make a movie, but then there's somebody famous in the movie, you know, and then you watch that person and, and the famous person doesn't even turn in a good performance by any means, usually, right. you know, and the rest of the cast doesn't either because they're so starstruck of the, the famous person. It's like, <laughs> why even bother with somebody famous? Just get a bunch of people and do it. And then nobody's intimidated by each other. They're just doing their thing. And, 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 and just that the, the whole DIY ethos, you know, and that's what that really meant to me. It was like, like Bob Barley, when I went into his house in Chula Vista around that same time, because yep. one of the guys at Torrey Pines, or actually three of the guys I went to Torrey Pines with, were in his band Neighborhood Watch at the time. Um, Brett, Zach, and Tom. And uh, Zach and Tom went on to do Three Mile Pilot, and Zach does Pinback and all that stuff. But it, it was going into Bob's house in Chula Vista at the time in 86. It's like he had stacks of boxes of yeah. records all over the place. and. This is a record label. Your garage in Chula Vista. What the fuck? Next to the plumbing. Exactly. Computer. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Out. Exactly. And and it, it was like, wow, you can just do these things. You know, you can make a movie. You can have a record label. You can just do these things. And and up up to then, like metal is like such an overproduced thing. You know, and punk rocks was such an underproduced thing that it's like the metal, you know, if for the metal scene and there's an underground metal scene and that, but I was, you know, 10 years old. I didn't know about it, but whatever. But, you know, like how metal was, you're dependent on getting signed and doing this and doing mm-hmm. that and the other. And punk rock is the opposite. It's just like, yeah. just fucking make something Do and it. put it out there in yeah. the world. And that, that, 
that was an overwhelming drive and and the allure with punk rock because I didn't like every single hardcore band that I heard. You know what I mean? I liked a lot of them, but the, it wasn't like just it, like a lot of them kind of sounded the same to me. You know what I mean? You know, like the drive was the punk rock attitude, like just fucking do the thing, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 of course, I do like a lot of hardcore music, and even more so these days than I did then, but. It, it was the overall that driving ethos and that's what Penelope Spheris was is like she's just like even though she went to UCLA film school and all that and had degrees and, and, and ended up being a part of the machine that she ended up hating because of Wayne's World pigeonholed her as a comedy <laughs> director but she started off as the most fucking DIY person I can even imagine you know like that movie is so DIY and 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 it's so itself and it's such a, a a motivating thing to see something like that and to pull off this whole narrative and she had to make sacrifices to do it and the movie turned out differently than she would originally have envisioned but it's a total punk rock bible the world over you know like like the, it's this this lifestyle and this thing that no one really encapsulated that well i think in my opinion i mean I mean, we were all man. looking for our representation back then, you right, know, something totally. that you could be like, oh, man, this is cool, you know, like, I can see myself in this, you know. Right, it's um, so different than everything. But, man, I had to look up where all those homes were and what the reason was that that was all like that, but that was because they were building the, in the process of building the 605 freeway through mm. Los Angeles, so they basically right. taken over all that property and maybe they hadn't started building the freeway through there. But they did remodel and resell some of those houses at some point that the that they bought, you know, to to build the freeway. But the TR house is it still there? That I don't know. That would be interesting. I right? bet it isn't. Yeah, it can't be. I think the liquor store, Jay's Liquor, might still be there. You know, with the guy that sold PCP to right. the, the kids. She talks about that? how they filmed some of it in Downey. Yep. She calls yeah. it Downer. Uh -huh. Downer. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, especially the scenes like where they're stealing from the garages. Uh, yeah, and they toss the roadkill in the dryer and hit hit, hit spin. <laughs> I love when they go to the the little yard sale scene too. It's hilarious. Uh -huh. Just all of it. Just got any vibrators? <laughs> yeah. I love when they go to they they steal the sod and put uh -huh. it in in the mall, the mall. and watch TV. There's... Like that was another like cute coming of age like cuddly part of the punk yeah. rock thing. Like, yeah. and Penelope says that's a real story. She knew the kids who had done that very thing. Oh wow! There's so much fun in that scene because there's the point where Chris Peterson, Jack Diddley says, "Where is this house?" Flee. Flee. Uh -huh. <laughs> and he goes, my name's Razzle, man. My name's Razzle. It's so good. <laughs> and when they stop in front of the house, the kids start piling out of the car. And if you're looking real closely, the trunk pops uh, open and Skinner and little Ethan jump out of the trunk. Yeah, I They're see riding that. in the trunk together. Yep. It's so good. And they load it up with sod. Yeah, that was a great scene. Yeah, there's some fun scenes in Ethan there. Ethan has another one, that little kid. Who, by the way, might be my favorite. Oh, yeah, he's great. I mean, how he's can you great. hate the little innocent kid? Yeah. He's great. He's, uh, he looks terrific with that mohawk. Yeah. Which, I, war paint. which Penelope talks about when they cut his hair, he cried. He hated it. Ah. Uh, yeah, he didn't like it. But uh, he looks terrific. And uh, there's the scene where the cop goes to the house and all the, to, to give him the warning near the end that they're going to be cleared out. And the kids, you know, go running out of the room, most of them, and they hide. And he comes into that hallway and he starts talking to them and they pop out of the various doors. And if you look at the ceiling, 
little Ethan's head pops yeah. down from yeah. the ceiling. That He's in great. the attic. That was great. <laughs> that, Those that little details, they're great. That was a little rascal's moment in that Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. <laughs> um, do you want to go down a Penelope wormhole here with me? Sure. Okay, I know Penelope was a big reason why you chose this, because she is just a massive influence on you. And uh, the Decline films and so on. Just so, uh, write a love letter to Penelope right now. I've never even seen the Decline films. You, you haven't? Nope. <laughs> oh, my God. This, is, this might be the stunner of the whole podcast. Got to get drunk and see him. Wow. Oh, sorry. You, you, never mind. This, this I, is how much suburbia means to you. No, because... totally. It was, it was that movie. And dudes, too. Okay, dudes yeah. is a big deal. And you to said you. dudes wasn't in theaters either. I don't think so. Yeah, that's uh, she, that wasn't really. I just either. remember oh. seeing the box on the shelf at the video store. I don't remember that one. What in video the... store was that, Graham? Uh, that would be a Blockbuster Video. <laughs> have you I used have, to wear the khakis and blues? Have you made a pilgrimage to the one in Pacific Northwest? Right, there's still one up there. Uh, there's still one up there. I have not. The TV show was terrible too that they had on Netflix. It just oh. didn't really capture the vibe. Right. They should have did. It. They should have set it in the '90s. And did it like a that '70s show thing, and had the cast of young kids working in the video store and their life and all that. That sure, would have been sure, funnier. Sure, but they, they I, failed. I have seen the uh, the first decline, most of it. I haven't seen every <laughs> bit of it. Well, so for me with Penelope, because I hadn't seen the first decline or Suburbia when I was a teenager, it was the decline too. It was the metal years. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. and I was in high school when that came out, and fuck, that blew our minds. I mean, Chris Holmes drinking in the pool, just chugging. Yeah. That's oh, that so sad, wasp. though. <laughs> oh, I know. It's so pathetic. But And his mom's talking to him as he's just floating in the pool, chugging Jack Daniels. And that was the moment where Lemmy went legend to us. I mean, we had kind of heard Ace of Spades. And Motorhead didn't come to Kansas. That you know, We yeah, weren't yeah. going to see them live. So that was the first time a lot of us had seen him. And yeah. he's so damn cool. She made him look like the coolest metal dude ever. I mean, and that was where I was like, oh, this lady's kind of cool. And then a few years later, she drops Wayne's World, which was kind of right. like, wow, that's interesting. And a massive hit. I mean. Right. But then she turned. But I like read what she got paid for that. And it was only like $150,000 or something. And it's like that movie made so much money and she directed it. And it's like, how did she only get paid that much money? You right. Know I mean, that's not even. I mean, that's what a. I mean, a, a quarter, maybe. a quarter of what it costs to make suburbia. Well, it was yeah. a Saturday Night Live movie based on a character, so I don't right. necessarily know that that was a hit machine just yet. I mean, I guess it was because the Blues Brothers, like the writers. I mean, now. that's a tried and true formula. There's been hundreds of Saturday Night Live yeah. movies, like based on. I, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think at '91 though. Had there been a bunch of them, the Blues Brothers had been a hit, but I don't know that there'd been a lot of them through the '80s. I think that was kind of what the year start did of the night at the Roxbury come out. Well, all of those came. <laughs> Out after Wayne's World or, hit so or big. What's her, what's her name? You had Pat. Pat. Yeah, it's Pat. Pat. You had the ladies. Yeah, Pat. You had the ladies man. Yeah. The ladies man. Yeah, and all of those were happened because of the success of Wayne's World, which I find it very funny that Penelope Spheris hated working with Mike Myers. <laughs> it was his first film. Oh, I think he got her to not be on the sequel. The sequel, absolutely. Yeah. They did. They clashed badly. Yeah. They didn't like the final cut of Wayne's freak. World. He, it, okay, here's the perplexing part. It's his first film. Come on, dude. You're from Saturday Night Live and you're tipping over catering tables because they don't have margarine instead of butter. <laughs> That's a true story uh, that happened on the Wayne's World set. Wow. And right. to the point that I believe in Wayne's World too, there's even a joke about that. They even mockingly do it in the movie. Ah, uh, right? that's funny. At but least he that, makes fun of himself. Yeah, so Penelope Ferris said he was a nightmare to work with. But at late years later they got they squashed that. But good. 
she mentions on the Suburbia director's cut that she had uh, she had an abusive childhood and right. she got beaten a lot. And, yeah, her. And I think her childhood was kind of cr a little crazy, and then her dad got knifed and killed. Oh Jesus! And they were like kind of circus or carnival that they would the like travel around with the dad, and then he got he ended up getting killed, and then then her mom would just have a, a parade of you know weird boyfriends that right. were violent and and her mom was drunk all the time and right that's probably the the impetus for the kid leaving home in the first absolutely. place absolutely that um, that mother is her mother she totally. says that and the 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 drawing the lines on the bottle so you could tell if the kid was drinking it right. she said her mom did that very thing uh -huh. so that's where that came from wow well the dog shooting that's a little rough uh, by today's standards. <laughs> there's there's the point where the cop has them in the scene where he's telling them not to do it anymore. And this cute little dog comes running up to the dead one and he just pops off his gun. Yeah. Oh, there's another one. Little ones become big ones. Uh, and he just kills right in front of the cop. I mean, that would not happen today. Right. Yeah. Pull out a gun in front of a cop and shoot it at all. Like, you Ridiculous, know, like, right? that's why privilege crazy. right there, brother. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, they, they were using trip wires on those dogs. I know that's a little rough. The first the, time I saw it, I was like, oh, my yeah. God. I was like, like, how are they doing that? They can't yeah. have the dogs trained to, like, mow their face into the ground going yeah. full yeah. speed, you know? And the way they shoot it, I mean, if you haven't seen it, I mean, they, they just go down instantly. They just go down. Yeah. That's, like that's got to be another Corman thing, right? <laughs> Hopefully. It's trip wires, and it, it is as rough as it looks. But she does say in the, the making of documentary that they didn't, none of them were hurt. The, 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 you know, I, I find that hard to believe, but you yeah. know, she says none of them were dogs hurt, trip so. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. My now dog does, but she's are, 13. The dogs are a metaphor for the kids, right? Like, this I, kind oh of yeah. A, yeah. Running in the streets. They, they, yeah. They're disposable. But yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's show how blurred the line is to the redneck guys about shooting a dog and then taking that next step and killing a kid, which they ultimately do. Even if it's a, by accident, they kill Ethan at the very end. You know right. what I mean? So it's like they, they so they they're just to them. It's barely a graduation between little ones become big ones. Little ones become big ones. So, you know, and then the same thing with happens with Ethan. He's a little one. He's going to become a big one like the, the, the punk rock kids. So I was just, all jacked up on liquor from the Kit Kat Club and he was all mm -hmm. fired up on fireballs go get those kids well they were also upset if you remember there's a part of the dialogue where they both mentioned that they'd been laid off from the plant uh, yes yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so these are guys with axes to grind yeah, right. and they're they taking it out on these job. kids the uh so we got to talk about the sheila overdose scene yeah there's always a junkie in the crew being a dumbass which is so weird because you know the the, the scene in the club and they rip the clothes off that girl. Right. And that's what pushes her over the edge is her getting her clothes ripped off by those two dudes, you know, and then she has traumatic, you know, relapse kind of and takes it. But it, they do it to that girl in the club, you know, it's just kind of weird that happens on both levels, you know, I mean. Happens. Oh, when the, the two dipshits invade yeah. the punk house and they rip her shirt off yeah. and they, you know, that's in the, the room traumatic and... moment for her that for sure right. her over the edge right but... for sure because it brings up the fact but that Skinner she's... does that also at the sure it, it makes her uh remember all the yeah. you know assault she's had from her own father who sexually assaulted her and beat her creepy and... as fuck right and so she overdoses they find her skinner finds her and that's kind of one of the best i think it might be skinner's best scene in the movie oh when he smashes the mirror yeah Dude. 
because he even fought. before that, just what's going on. Yeah, you see totally. Him. Yeah, he totally. doesn't know what the fuck. He, well, to he's do. upset looking for his yellow shirt. Yeah, which is yeah. really funny because the dude spends half the movie without a shirt. He does on. not have a shirt yeah. on very much. So he busts into her room, finds her overdosed, and you know he has this reaction on his face, and then he punches through the mirror and kicks a couple holes in the walls, and it's. It's his best acting scene. Oh, absolutely. Like, he's he's good in that scene. Yeah. And uh, so there's the whole thing where they're like, what are we going to do with this? You know, what are we going to do with her body? Yeah. Well, I mean, the tract homes, I would have figured you'd just go dig a grave and throw her in it. I mean. Totally. I would have. Right, I mean, right. Who's she going to go home to? Right. Like, she already ran away from them. So they don't do that. They wrap up her body. This sounds so crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. They take it to her parents' house. And they're standing on the front lawn and front porch as they ring the doorbell to hand off the dead daughter. And then ask to come to the funeral. And then ask to go mm-hmm. to the funeral, which leads to a funeral riot. Which they do go to the funeral, and the dad's okay with it. And then the mom is not okay with it, so the dad kicks him out. And then she gets unmasked by Joe Schmo as being a child-molesting girl beater. And then all hell breaks loose. As it should. As it should. That's actually, and it's weird. Weirdly, that is my favorite moment in the whole movie. That's when I feel like it all just, you know, it all comes to that moment. They, they have the riot in the funeral, and it just cuts straight into the legend of Pat Brown, and they're back at the Vandal show, and and we're we're on. Where was from the there. club? Which is the best musical segue in the whole movie? Absolutely. What club was that again? Did they shoot the at Cuckoo's yeah. Nest? Uh, it was in Orange County. I'm not sure what city, okay. but she does mention it in the uh, okay. making of. Oh, yeah. all right. They went all the way to Orange County from... That, oh, well, I guess Downey's not that far. And they film most of it at night, too, as well. I mean, most of it is set at night, but that was for a reason. You know, they had to. Right. A lot like Clerks with Kevin Smith. You just have certain locations. You just got to do it at night, so... I was just fascinated by that, the flop house and how realistic it felt and looked and the whole thing and the graffiti all over totally. and the... People try to recreate that in movies and it doesn't look authentic, but that one looked so authentic. It it could have been authentic for all I know. Because I I think I've seen like chips or or series TV shows when punk started to be a thing. You know, they they'd have punks in the in the TV shows and just be like, (laughs) Are you talking about the chips punk rock episode right now? Well, something I don't know. I I gotta see those shows back then where punks were starting to be a thing. I don't think I've seen the chips punk rock episode. Oh, believe me, you need to see it. William Forsyth is the lead singer, right? And the band is called Pain. Oh, nice. Oh, any of those before something like that that actually like, Oh, this is this is real. This is you could relate to it, you know, you knew a kid maybe that. Went through shit like that, whether it, whether it was maybe yourself too. Who knows? You never lived in a squatter house. Uh, no, not lived, but I definitely spent some time in some. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, the rooster house felt. Uh, yeah, that was that energy. Pretty, that was maybe pretty squatty. I lived at a lot of party houses like that, certainly. Um, in Santa Cruz, when I kind of went to quotation fingers college, which I was not doing anything remotely collegiate, but I was up there during those years and uh, I, I did like stay in a lot of houses where no one was paying rent and no one yeah. was ever going to. See, so maybe not living off the 605 in, in the middle of nothing, but that no, happened. People, no. It was going on here. I did live uh, in on India Street right next to the, the five though when I was uh, moved back from Northern California. And that house felt a little bit squatty, but it's pretty clean. But it was like definitely right in the, right in the middle of things. Now you're just squatting with your 
Wife and daughter. Yeah. <laughs> squatting. Well, not exactly not squatting. In a house of your own. Yeah. Yeah. Paying, paying your a own. few bucks to yeah. squat. Do you have a room with graffiti and posters? And no. Where, where <laughs> do you find your inspiration at your house when, when you write? Do you have just like a do you have a little den? No, no. Place? That's that's kind of my mindset is I'm I, I have a kind of a gorilla mindset where I do shit anywhere. I just do it hard. It doesn't matter where <laughs> I am. I don't play music. I don't do anything. I just you hit it when I hit it and I hit it hard as hell. Don't hit me. <laughs> I got, I, sometimes I've written here, you know, just waiting for deliveries to come in. Like when I was fin yeah. finishing my second book, I was doing that a lot here because I had a, my 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 kid was like one and a half at home, and it was like there's no, you know, you you got to be doing stuff when you have a one and a half year old kid, or any age kid for that matter. I mean, now <laughs> she's nine, so she, I, she can kind of go do her own thing, and I can do whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, just if I had to hit it here, I'd hit it here. Cool. Fine. Find time and inspiration where, where it happens. Exactly. Do you have any favorite lines in the film that you really love? I, oh, I was thinking of one. There's a funny one. Being a venue guy, I love this one. There's a point at the, uh, <clears throat> the, sec the end of the second concert where they're making everybody leave because the security guard got stabbed. Uh -huh. There's <laughs> a kid that says something to the guard on the way out, and he goes, do I, so do I need a stamp to get out of here too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flea says that. Flea, <laughs> Flea says, says that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, is, that is a great one. It's so sarcastic. And being a venue guy, I hate little shits like that. And I just love it. I mean, I just, it's so funny. Yeah, it was hilarious. And uh, definitely my favorite is when the, uh, the, two laid off, <laughs> the two laid off locals roll up on Skinner and they're like, you know, where's the war? Up your <laughs> ass. <laughs> I like my old man's gonna be back soon, and if we're still here, he's gonna shit Twinkies. Shit Twinkies, that was a good one for sure, Jack Diddley. And then uh, when uh, Joe Schmo's walking out on his dad, he's like, "So do I even get a goodbye this time?" He's like, "Later days." Later days. <laughs> uh, How does it tie into the I suburbia? Hate buses is a good one too. From '96. Like, why does he hate buses? It has nothing to do with the suburbia from '96, right? Not at all. On the director's commentary, Penelope even laughs about that. She's like, she even says, I, somebody made a movie in the 90s called Suburbia. I don't know why they did that. Like, she's Weird, like, right? and the buses thing, Penelope hated buses. That's the whole point of that driving by the buses. buses. <laughs> she hated the choking dust. As you oh, see, they're okay. sitting behind yeah, it, yeah. and it spews out all that shit all over them. And it was like that a little it bit. Was like uh, that. Yeah, no, it was, for yeah, sure. Nasty Penel diesel ass. And Penelope was like, I hate buses, and that's the reason we put that in the movie, that he drives up next to the bus and whips a bottle, and it shatters on it, because they're choking the atmosphere. I love that scene, though, when they're all walking down the street. Uh, oh, yeah. Are they on the so way to the good. funeral at that it's point, so or where good. are they going? No, no, no. That's they're... one that should have some iconic punk rock song yeah. playing, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that, that's one where it's like, why is the soundtrack funky thing going on right now? Like, I, I, I'm okay with the soundtrack funky thing throughout the movie, but that one scene, it should be like some fucking grinding thing. You know, they're all walking down and freaking out the ladies. So, so good. I, from a camera, you know, like a director of photography perspective, that's probably my favorite shot. In the oh, film, it's so I good. Mean. That's why it's posterized. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's fucking. Well, and there's another great. shot right before that that cuts into that. And that's the little kid sitting on uh, Ethan sitting on his big wheel outside the flop house. Right. Yeah. And Penelope says, that's my favorite still shot. In uh -huh. the film. And it goes right into the best moving shot in the film, which is the kids walking down the street, crawling over the bumper of the ritzy car. Yeah. 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 Like, the lady and her maid. I couldn't remember how 
It was good you don't always remember the ending of a film, even though you've watched it several times. But I kept thinking that Ethan was going to get shot because he's got his little BB gun the whole time. And right. he, he pulls it out right. on the cop. He pulls it out on right. the cop. Right. Right. Yeah, today he'd be toasted. He'd right, be, right. He'd be Tamir Rice today. I mean, he'd be oh, dead. Man. But it, in the end of it all, that's not what happens. And I was then thinking, oh, those guys are going to, he's going to pop out and they're just going to shoot him because they got the guns. And right. No, they end up running them over. And it's an accident, but. Dude. But they're still going to jail but for vehicular But it wasn't really homicide. an accident. They're trying to hit somebody. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily it's an accident that they hit him yeah. specifically. Yeah. But if they took out 10 of the kids, they wouldn't have given a fuck. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah, they left and spun back around to get some more. Yeah. Like, as a guy in security, I can tell you, when that guy comes back, he's coming back to fight. Yeah. Right. And he ain't coming back to play patty cakes, so you better do what you can. And unfortunately... The kids split, but then there's little Ethan sitting on his big wheel. Mm -hmm. and, and the last shot of the film, one of the last shots of the film is his bloody face against the windshield. Uh-huh. So that, is this punk, punk playstation? Ploy, How do you say that? Like black you know, exploitation? Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like he would launch no. up in the air onto the windshield. No, he'd from go right from under the, the trajectory. Car. Exactly. Uh, uh, with the, the big wheel and him would just have been flattened. But that's not photogenic. Now we didn't see the baby get ripped apart. We had to have that left yeah. to our imagination well, at the beginning. Stuff, but that was and a why great the, stuff was that, girl, that girl should have picked the damn baby up or done something. She yeah, like, like, that's like, every time I watch it, I'm like, pick up the fucking kid. Yeah, I know, what are you doing? And then I'm waiting for them to jump into the, I didn't remember, was it an enclosed phone booth? I'm thinking, yes. get the uh -huh. fucking yeah, phone yeah, booth. Yeah, exactly. And, Everybody girl, in the phone I mean, booth. She's in trauma. She's running away from home. She yeah. didn't even know I was going to say, let's be honest. This is a runaway hitchhiker, and that kid ain't mine. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah, not right. sticking my hand in there and getting it mauled off. Right. You could just have him. Right. <laughs> I'm still running away. So the two, so we have two children killed at the beginning and the and end the of end. this uh -huh. film. And then possibly a security guard in the second scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because there is the cut back inside later after the venue's clear. And he's still on he's the ground. He's still oh, holding oh, oh, oh. that chalk outline pose. Uh -huh. like, <laughs> and there's two, like, EMS guys attending to him, but he hasn't moved. Like. No. And it didn't seem like it was that bad of a stabbing. It only looked like it was in the kidney area. Yeah, one kidney. You have two. Yeah, maybe okay. three inches. Like, that didn't look like it was uh, immobilizing. I mean, I've, maybe it's because I've seen so many Scream movies now. They see people take, like, ten knife wounds right, and they're right. still running still around. Going, yeah. right. So maybe it's that. But I was like, it didn't seem that bad. But still very just believable, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's gritty and the raw. characters and the, just felt like people... I knew. That's it. That's yep. why we all related to it it's in so gritty, many ways. You know? raw, DIY, half a million dollar film. It's just crazy. It's sad, too, because, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe those movies can still be made. They're not going to... It's just weird, right? I mean, I, there was some great filmmaking in the 70s when it was very DIY, by the seat of your pants. They were doing shit that, you know, they were breaking boundaries. You know? I, would, I would argue now is that... Uh, more of a time for DIY stuff because you don't have to buy huge well, cans of film. Yeah. You can just go out if you have a can. I mean, I know guys that make movies and they they can do it with uh, the newest iPhone. You know what I yep. mean? And you could you yeah. could actually go and do that and 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 edit it. And you could yep. probably edit it on your iPhone too. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm sure you can. Yeah. But you, yep. you can actually do everything with what you have on you right now rather than getting a camera and this and that and cranes and then that, the other, you know, you could buy a cheap drone and then you have an iPhone and you could, you could get shit done. I'm surprised you know you're I mean? not on strike right now in solidarity. If you've just announced I'm not a union. I don't get paid play. for what I do. I'm going to go on strike. on strike. <laughs> you can make even more that. of nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
It's like they I need to be in solidarity with me. Exactly. Yeah. Let's all get paid, sure. But I've never, I've never. Yeah. I mean, I get paid incrementally for what I do. You know, if somebody watches it, I get paid two bucks. But you know, like, yeah, I, I don't. You know. Right. 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 I've never been. Uh, this isn't like a commercially successful. Uh, you know, viable. Hopefully, route it can be go. for you someday or That'd something. That'd be nice. You know, that'd Definitely. be really cool. I mean, but either way, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I loved hearing the announcement the other day. I'm like, damn, new band, new screenplay. You've already got the team and many people that love and support you that are going to help you do this. It's not like you pay any of the people that participate in the movie. And it's, you know, it's it's a DIY family associated with this legendary venue and, and just all the great friends you've made over the years. Not Indeed. just associated with this place, but going back to the, the office, uh, Scolari's office yeah. and and shit up in Torrey Pines when you first come to San Diego, right? Sure thing. Hanging out in bougie Torrey Pines. You wanted it, to escape it wasn't, that. It wasn't as bougie back in the day, oh. but still. <laughs> you know, in 1985, they had Oingo Boingo play their their prom. Oh, the day, the year before I, I was, was there, although I didn't go to prom. I grew up in La Jolla, graduated in 84, and we were always jealous. Of I love Oingo Boingo. Do you? I do. You do. Have you ever seen local band Manganista? They're almost like Oingo Boingo. I have to book them on a night. You're here at the Casbah. What nights can people find you at the Casbah usually? Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday these days. Nice. And any plan? I guess the screenplay is done. That's not something you just put out. So you're, you're, it's tweaked. It's ready to go. Now you're going to start the process of building the team and the actors. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm ground zero. So, I mean, the first thing, that's the thing with books. Once you're done writing, you're done. And with uh, movies, once you're done writing, you're just barely even scratching the surface of getting started. So, Fanboy is available on Amazon. It is DVD on Am Amazon Prime. I have DVDs, it. copies also, if you ever um, see me around. Any fun memories or bloopers or, or things in the process of making that movie that stand out that, I don't know, Oh, God, there's so many, so many stories. I mean, I'll just, I'll tell you the origin of how that movie got started in the first place is I, I was doing uh, it, short films with Grant Raniero and uh, um, Brian Desjean and a couple other people. And, and I, one day we were wrapping one up and I said, okay, this is all very well and good, but what do we have to do to make an actual like feature length film? And Grant, who knows a lot about movies and everything, and I wouldn't know anything at all if it weren't for him, uh, said, okay, we have to do this and that and this and that and this and this exhaustive list that takes like 10 minutes. And I said, tell you what, I will do all of those things if you just show up with your camera and film the movie. And, and that's all you have to do. I'll do everything else. And then little did I know how much that would be because it took me five years to complete it. But uh, they said, those guys said, yeah, let's you write, a, write a, a, a story, a screenplay, and pitch it to us, and if we like it, we'll do it, and let's make it about music since, you know, we, we're all musicians, and that's kind of like the yeah. vibe going on. And I said, okay, so I, I wrote the screenplay to Fanboy and then pitched it to them, and then everybody liked it, and then we started the process rolling, which is kind of where I'm at today, full circle. Did it win any awards? Did you show it at any film oh, festivals it, or anything? No, it's hard I, to get I, into I, film just, festivals. I know. The, Did you show the, it at the any award film festivals? it won me was selling out five screens at the South Bay Drive-In and having people like look back on it. One of the you know the most memorable, if not the most memorable, time of the pandemic. 
the legacy, man. I, I, I will echo that. Like yeah. for me, it was huge to get to go out to that drive-in during the pandemic. See everybody in their cars. Yes, and we had got to be near each other. Yeah. We're social animals. The people that work in the live music industry, we do this every night. We love meeting new people. And then to suddenly, one night I'm working a show, and then boom, the next day Gavin Newsom drops the news, and I'm sitting at home for the next 16 months. Right. That was hard. That was really hard. I missed you. I miss everyone, and to get to be there at Fanboy at that drive-in. And after ten months of not seeing anyone, yes, except the people in the store timing. for ten minutes, it was exactly what I needed at that point in my life. And walking, I remember walking out to Ben and Cynthia were on the line, and they were handing out the little slips that told you the radio station to tune to, and there was a, a young lady in a mask driving in, and I couldn't see who it was, and she goes, "Is that Graham?" And I'm like, "Yes." And she goes, fuck yeah, I feel like I'm at a show at the Casbah. <laughs> that was everything to me. I, I still don't even know who said that to me, but it, met, it warmed my heart so much because it was like, yeah, that's a validation on what we do here, you know, and she's stoked on this. And if she's this way, then everybody else showing up here is too. Definitely. And, you know, there were moments in the film, you know, that people would cheer and, that, you know, when their favorite person would come on screen. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, it was, yeah, it was everything great. you want in a drive-in experience. Yeah, it was beautiful. And then at the end, like going up and having everybody honk and flash their lights and stuff. And just, you know, it, it, like just to pull it off. You know what I mean? Because even like I say, it's either easier to do stuff DIY these days than it was back then. Uh, I was able to do it all myself. Or, not all of it, but it, it, all the post-production myself pretty much. I had help with David Robles and a couple other people. But um, it it was still... a magnanimous amount of work like a huge wall of work and you just have to go one day at a time kind of like i'm gonna do this today and i'm gonna do this today and i'm gonna do this today and then eventually it turns into this thing and you remember that that conversation i had with you about footsteps i was gonna bring and up the, the foley work footsteps it like i had to film myself had to film myself walking around every step I took with the different uh, shoes and different surfaces and then put that in where everybody's foot touched down everywhere in the entire movie. And it, it was like thousands and thousands of footsteps, you know? And I, I remember having that conversation yep. with you and, and it Drove just you mad. being frustrating because every step is so long and hard and arduous. But then at the end, when you have this thing, that thing is forever and you always have it like suburbia like fanboy like when people make something that big and that that grandiose and you pull it off and you have that thing for the rest of time well it exists forever even when you're not here we're gonna have you hold on to a lot of those fanboy stories because i if, got a lot of them if we make it to one year which i think we should the odds are good <laughs> uh that is definitely going to be our one year anniversary show we're doing fanboy because we're, we're calling our own number nice. fanboy live with a live performance from xenos Oh, on the stage up now there. we're cooking <laughs> yeah guys <laughs> uh, well that is uh, an amazing uh, accomplishment and so stoked you have a new band i think you're great on stage thank I enjoy you watching you thank you as a front man or drummer the show. or whatever It'll be fun yeah it's gonna be great and All thanks right. for getting me to watch suburbia again i'm a little traumatized i'll yeah. be i'll be fine but um it is an amazing film and even for somebody in their 20s that kind of you know, it, it, it's hard for, I think, some young people to watch this stuff, as we found out, that anything that repeated viewing with these uh, with the younger generation doesn't always go over so well. We've 
address those scenes in the film, but go in with an open mind and, and check out a film that really documents a time period. And as, as brutal as it is, it's pretty honest yeah. and pretty real. Very. Absolutely. Amen. Well, thank anything you, boys. Else? Yeah, you're so welcome, man. Ben Johnson, legend. I don't know. Is there anything else? I'm, no, I, we're done. I feel good. All yeah, right. I, feel, I think we did I it. feel good, too. All right. Uh, the show has been presented Graham, by Tim? Neighborhood Plumbing. If you have uh, any plumbing needs, please reach out to Bob at Neighborhood Plumbing. I do. Uh, the Casbah does. So I do. Bar does as well. You He's do as my well. house. My wife Don't does need real no estate. Review. She, we she will does her. wholeheartedly support Neighborhood Plumbing. Amen, boys. Cheers. Thanks for listening and watching Soundcheck Flicks. Hey, SCF fans. Next week, we join Sarah and Ludo and head in to battle the Goblin King in the Labyrinth. Tune in next week and see who our special guest is.